What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and in your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. As some of y'all may know, I have been supplementing some of Calder's feedings with Bobby over the past four months, and we have been loving it. One of the main reasons why we chose Bobby when we knew we were going to add formula to Calder's feeding is because of their high quality ingredients and simple recipe. As the only mom-led and founded infant formula company in the U.S. with an organic European-style recipe that meets all FDA standards, they continue to set the bar as the leading clean infant formula. And they recently have received the Clean Label Project Purity Award and pesticide-free certification. This is huge. And really what this means, the Clean Label Project, it evaluates products for substances that would never be found on the product label. So things like heavy metals, pesticide residues, and plasticizers. And the fact that Bobby received this award gives me the confidence as a parent and the peace of mind knowing that what Calder is getting and ultimately what's going into his body contains all the ingredients that his body needs and nothing that it doesn't. So if you're in need of a high quality formula to feed your baby, Bobby definitely has my stamp of approval. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-E to order yours today and use promo code Dylan Murphy 10 so you can get 10% off. Welcome back to another episode of Free Method Podcast. Today, I am joined by Brittany Braswell. She is a wife, a mama of two, a registered dietitian, and a recovery coach who is on a mission to help women struggling with disordered eating and negative body image to help them experience the peace that comes when you ditch food rules for good. She uses a faith-centered approach to help her clients overcome the lies that they've been fed by diet culture and replace them with spiritual truth to rediscover their God-given identity. So Brittany, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Yeah, I am excited to dive into this conversation. So I would love to start. I know I just did a little intro on you, but even I would love just for you to take a minute to kind of introduce yourself a little bit more. Tell us a little bit just about the work that you do, your practice, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I've been a dietitian for going on nine, 10 years now, Mm -hmm. and I absolutely love what I do. So I'm in private practice. I serve similar to you. I serve um, primarily women that really struggle with, some of them have diagnosed eating disorders. Some just really struggle with a lot of the disordered behaviors that diet culture has really created. Um, And so most of the clients that I work with, um, especially inside my program, we, we focus on a faith-centered approach. So um, a lot of them have different faith backgrounds and spiritual beliefs mm-hmm. that really impact, especially the way that they see themselves and their identity and their worth and value. And so we tie that in um, to, to working on repairing their relationship with food and their body. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and I think that's such a great approach to have, because I don't think there's like 
a ton of providers out there who do offer like specific, like bring faith really into it where I know even like me, for example, like I am a Christian, I'm not necessarily like a faith-based dietitian, but when needed, like I definitely will bring that in. Um, but I think it's great that that's like kind of the backbone of a lot of the offerings that you have. Yeah. I yeah. That. I love it. And it's, it definitely gives me, um, I feel like there's certain things that I can address with clients that maybe mm. I wouldn't have been able to do, you know, when I was in like the traditional treatment center sort of setting. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of on that topic of like eating disorders and disordered eating, um, maybe even first, before we go to this question, I was just thinking about my head. I think even just for our listeners to kind of dive into or explain to us, like, what is the difference between disordered eating and eating disorders? Um, because I think that can be kind of confusing at times. So where, like, yeah, where, where's kind of the difference for you in those two? Yeah. So I get this question a lot because mm-hmm. a lot of the women that come to me are like, do I have to have an eating disorder to work with you? I've never yeah. been diagnosed. Um, and, and really as a dietitian, um, I do not provide a diet, the diagnostic criteria mm-hmm. for that. I, I can't determine like, yes, you do or, or no, you don't. Um, yeah. so in order to have an eating disorder, especially one that's diagnosed, you have to meet certain criteria and there's a, a mental health manual that, um, you might, you might get a diagnosis from a therapist or maybe a psychiatrist, psychologist, um, and you're going to meet certain criteria for various behaviors that, that might be disordered. So we can kind of touch on some of those, but, um, for, for different levels of severity or maybe different frequencies. And so you have to meet the certain criteria a certain number of times over a certain amount of time. Um, and so what, what I would say, kind of the distinguishing factor between that and disordered eating is, I bet if I polled, you know, 100 people, 90 to 95 of them at least would mm-hmm. like check a box to, to some type of disordered behavior or even thought process just because that's the culture we live in. Oh yeah. And there's, there's so, there's so many food rules that people have, right? So that may be one type of disorder behavior is having this checklist of, you know, here's the rule. And maybe there's this like consequence, you know, self-imposed if I break the rule. Um, there's a lot of disordered behaviors, maybe just around like things that could turn into disordered eating or an eating mm-hmm. disorder, like severely restricting your intake. Um, you could even be eating enough that maybe you're restricting certain food groups, or maybe you have a tendency to abuse exercise rather than use it in a way that is joyful, that really supports your mental and physical health. So there are a lot of different ways. I would, I would say as a a general, um, just kind of red flag to watch for is Mm -hmm. if you feel any sort of pressure or anxiety to follow specific guidelines around food or your body, or you feel any sense of shame or guilt when you eat or move your body in a certain way, there's likely some disordered, at least thought Mm -hmm. patterns, but probably some disordered behaviors there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even the question you mentioned, because we get that a lot too, of like, do I have an eating disorder? Like, do I need to work with you? Do you work with people who don't have eating disorders? Like, I think what can be huge for anyone is like getting help, even if you don't, you know, have a diagnosed eating disorder, because I think disordered eating turns can easily turn into an eating disorder mm-hmm. when yeah. it's kind of left untreated. And, and that goes even into that idea of like, well, I'm not sick enough. Do I need help? Can I just do this on my own? Or like you've mentioned, like, all this stuff is normal. All my friends are doing this. Like, I don't see the issue. Um, cause I think that even goes with what you were talking about, the criteria of like the longer that pattern continues, you know, the more 
ingrained that gets. And then that mm-hmm. kind of leads into more of that like eating disorder pattern. Yeah. Yep. So when you can catch it on the the front side of things before mm-hmm. maybe it turns into what yeah. might fall under that diagnostic criteria, yeah. um, there's definitely a lot of a lot of work that you can do on the front end to really repair the way that you see food and relate to your body so that it doesn't become something that's, you know, all consuming. Yeah. So then what do you see as kind of a common denominator for people struggling with whether it's like an eating disorder or just disordered eating? Like what are some of the like common things that maybe you see all this people kind of struggling with at the core or kind of what, what led to those behaviors? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say one of the biggest things that I see across the board is that there's some sort of sense of self-worth or value placed on body weight, shape, composition, um, something in that realm, because that is usually having some sort of negative body image or value tied to the way that you perceive your body or the way that you feel others perceive your body mm-hmm. is usually kind of that gateway thing that leads to the disordered behaviors. Cause mm-hmm. most people, if they look in the mirror and were like totally comfortable with what they saw, how they felt, they would have no, you know, need mm-hmm. typically or desire to want to make those changes. And so it's usually that pursuit of maybe it's not always even that quote unquote, ideal body. Um, but there's something usually about their body that they feel a lot of guilt or shame around, or they're just really displeased with. Yeah. Cause I, I would say too, like I see body image being like really at the core of so much of the work that we do. Um, cause like you said, like no one really decides to like eat less, go on a specific diet, you know, develop those specific patterns coming from a place of not feeling great in their body. Now, obviously with the caveat of like, there is so much more that can be at play, whether it's like trauma, family issues, like there's so much more. Um, but I feel like a common thing is body image because also like maybe even if someone doesn't initially step into those like disordering behaviors from a place of body image, like, or just negative body image, like, maybe it's more of like attention seeking or something like that. And then they start to get compliments like, Ooh, you've lost so much weight. You look so good. And then that feeds into kind of that like self-esteem where then it's like, Oh, well now I need to keep doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I see that oftentimes too, where maybe it doesn't even, sometimes it doesn't start from that, but that's kind of what even like keeps feeding into those eating disorder, disordered eating patterns. Yes. I see that so often. And I hear it from so many of my clients that they started off just, you know, wanting to be more healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then their body shape or composition or size, whatever started Mm -hmm. changing, people started making comments and they felt like, okay, yes, I have to keep this up now because this means acceptance or appreciation or love or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's a huge, I would say that's a huge goal of mine as a provider is Mm -hmm. the constant, um, just education and awareness for people in general to like, if you're going to give a compliment, give Mm -hmm. a compliment to somebody on something that's not guaranteed to change. Yes. Oh, I like that. Because I think a lot of times too, when people give a compliment, like even if it is something like I'll use myself as an example, I had a kid six months ago. And so one compliment I've received a lot, that's not a compliment, but it's like, Oh my gosh, you don't even look like you had a baby. It's like, that doesn't really, why, why are you saying that? Like, and I think Mm -hmm. when people say that they think they're giving you a compliment. They think it's a kind thing to say. Um, 
but it's not, you know, and you never know what you're complimenting either. Like you never know, like, okay, well, what is that person doing like behind closed doors? Like, are they, did they have to like restrict to lose this weight or to do like, what is going on behind the scenes? You may easily be complimenting disordered eating patterns and eating disorder. Um, so I love that of like complimenting something that like doesn't, isn't guaranteed to change. Um, cause I think that can easily feed into, it's like giving more fuel to that, like eating disorder or those disorder eating patterns of like, Ooh, people are noticing me. People are complimenting me. I'm doing the right thing. Um, and then, you know, when you have someone like us, the dietitian, it's like, Oh, well, my dietitian doesn't know what she's saying. Like people are complimenting me. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, which is so hard because we all want to like feel seen and loved and known and all of that. Um, so yeah, that, gosh, I feel like that makes the work we do so hard when there's like compliments like that, where it's like, mm, yes. can they just not say that? Yes. 100%. Mm. What? So when it comes even to disordered eating slash eating disorder behaviors, I'm sure you see this with clients too, where I think it's just easy for people. I mean, and probably what we just mentioned of like the compliments that show up, but I think it's easy for people to kind of like stay in those eating disorder patterns where it's like the behaviors they're doing start to kind of like meet maybe a different need for them or start to serve them in a way that, that keeps them coming back to that. Um, what do you, what do you see in terms of like the work you do with clients of like it meeting this need or it's something that they feel like they need to like keep coming back to? Yeah, this is definitely something that I focus on a lot with my clients because we, we all have needs and needs have to be met. Um, we are kind of designed, our brains are functioned to like not want to go without, right? That's mm. maybe part of like that survival mode type of um, mindset. And so when we have a need that's unmet, we, we're going to fill it. Um, it's just a matter of are we filling it or mm. are we meeting that need in a way that's actually effective and beneficial? So I would say there's probably like six or seven needs that a lot of the, um, the behaviors, whether it's specific to an eating disorder or just mm-hmm. disordered eating in general, um, that I see meet. So, um, I would say if I was just going to list them off, yeah. I would say sense of control is a big mm-hmm. one. That goes mm-hmm. almost across the board for everybody oh, yeah. feeling that need. Like everything feels chaotic, but I can control this. This is mm-hmm. all up to me on what I eat, how much, when, where, all those things. So that's a big one. Yeah. Um, re- reduced anxiety is a mm. huge one um, where maybe they're just feeling really anxious about something. And by eating, it really gives them almost um, this like physical reduction of anxiety because you're doing something and you have a focus. Mm-hmm. So I see... I see it being used a lot of times people don't recognize it, but that's a need that mm-hmm. it's meaning. It's, it's helping to your, you to reduce the anxiety in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Not long-term, it's not a sustainable yeah. thing, but that's what it's doing for them in that moment. Yeah. Um, stress relief is another big one. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you hear this all the time. And if you're listening, if you've ever thought, gosh, I'm just a stress eater. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate that phrase, but that's yeah. what my clients, you know, that's what they say. And so stress relief, um, we probably don't have to have time to go into it today, but there's a lot of different sort of false senses of hunger. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the, like biting down on something, like, you know, crunching on something can physically relieve stress. And yeah. so 
if you, if you notice you have a tendency to eat when you're stressed, it may be that like, Hey, I have this like need for this physical stress or tension relief. Mm. Um, so that's definitely a big one. So that's three. Um, the fourth one I would say is like safety or comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, and you mentioned this already, Dylan, but like trauma is a big piece here. Um, we don't have to go into the details of that, but oftentimes it feels a lot safer to use a particular behavior that might put you in a body size that's larger or smaller than the one you're in. Mm -hmm. If the body size you're in or the body size you're afraid of getting to feels really unsafe. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's a big one. Um, solving a problem. That is another one. And I'm going to say solving Mm. in air quotes, right? Like you, you feel like you feel like there's an issue and you're doing by, by eating or by whatever the behavior might be, not eating, moving your body a certain way. Mm -hmm. You feel like you are correcting an issue and that like, that's up to you that I think that often pairs with the the control piece a lot. Yeah. I see that one. Um, and then the last two big ones, I would say one of them would be like numbing or repressing feelings. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of this means of escapism, kind of like, um, a lot of people will say they, a lot of my clients have previously had problems like with alcohol or substance Mm -hmm. use, and it was used as a means of just sort of distracting or numbing out. Yeah. And they were like, well, I, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore, but now food seems mm-hmm. to be serving that same purpose. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's often where like the mindless eating, um, mm-hmm. or even binging might happen just as this yeah. gives me something else to sort of disconnect from the world. And then I think the last big one I typically see is like taking out anger or self-punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. have, I, I see this with a lot of clients. Um, I've got one right now who, they know like, this is my main reason that I struggle with mm. overeating is because I yeah. feel like I've done something wrong and now I have to punish myself physically. And this makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So those are a lot of the the ones that I see most often. Mm. The, that's so helpful. And I'm sure people listening now, there are people like nodding their heads, as you say, like different pieces of that, because gosh, I think that's so true. And what I love about all of that too, is I think that helps to kind of dispel that myth of like, Oh, someone has an eating disorder just because they want to be like skinny and they just want to like lose all this weight. Um, cause even in what we were talking about earlier of like body image being at the root of a lot of this, it's still not necessarily like, I just want to be skinny for the sake of being skinny. A lot of it still ties so much deeper of like, this gives me control. This like helps from my like trauma. Like I'm now in a different body than when this trauma happened to me. So maybe I'm safe. Like there's so much, it's so much deeper. Um, And I think that also helps with that idea of like, okay, you have an eating disorder, disordered eating, like just eat more, just stop counting calories. And it's like, well, it's not that easy either. Like, because Mm -hmm. there's so much, and even all those like six or seven points you just made, I feel like most clients and most just people in general probably could relate to all of those are like, yeah, yeah. Like every single one. Um, And that makes me think, have you ever read the book, um, eating in the light of the moon? or heard of it is um, on it is on my list i'm very okay. familiar with it i have not uh-huh. personally read that one it's good um but it makes me think of an analogy in there that anita johnson uses about like you're floating down the river um and kind of using that as like symbolism of like you and your recovery journey like you're in this river and it's you know running rampant you're getting tossed around and there's all these like logs that float by that you like use a support um that kind of help you in your journey but it isn't necessarily life-giving that's like your eating disorder it's like okay i'm holding onto this log of like control and sure it's keeping me above water but it's not getting me out of the water and out of the water is 
recovery. Um, and so it's recognizing like, okay, these things have served me, like it's helped keep me above water, but also if I want to live like a fulfilling life. And I think you even talk about like, have like peace and just like ditch these food rules. Like, I know I need to let go of this, but that's scary. Cause then that requires like letting go of this log, being in this raging river and getting to the edge of the, you know, getting to the bank of the river. Um, mm-hmm. but I love using that with clients too. Cause it's thinking about like, okay, what logs do I need to like let go of? And, and how can I recognize like these have served me well, but also like my eating disorder, like if I stay in this, it's just going to make me more and more sick and it's not going to be fulfilling. Like I think it is. Yes. Yeah. I see that so often because I feel like these same needs often for, for so many of my clients are the unknown barriers to moving Mm -hmm. forward. Cause they're like, Mm -hmm. Like you said, like somebody will just say, well, just eat more or just eat what's on your meal plan or just stop abusing exercise or, Mm -hmm. you know, you fill in the blank with the, the change in behavior. And I try to give the analogy of I'm and I'm a visual learner. So if Mm -hmm. you guys are listening, like it helps me to put things into a visual perspective, (laughs) but like, if you think about, um, if you were to go out and sit on your back, back patio or something and you're enjoying your day, it's nice and sunny. And then you get stung by a wasp. You're going to be like really uncomfortable. You can go inside. Maybe you put some like topical Benadryl or something on it to help take the sting mm-hmm. away. Maybe even cover it with a bandage. And you're like, okay, that's fine. And then you go back outside, right? You've sort of taken care of the symptom. But if you mm-hmm. don't go down and knock the wasp nest down, the, you're going to get stung again, right? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so I try to use that as an analogy with my clients to help them realize that like, like, yes, you can change the behaviors and that mm-hmm. is necessary. Like we don't want to leave the, the wasp staying like mm-hmm. untreated. We want to clean it. We want to make sure you get the stinger out. Like yeah. that can't go, you can't ignore that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if that's all you do, it's going to be like just trying to put a bandaid on the issue. So you've mm-hmm. got to figure out what is that need? What is the root that is causing your thought processes that are leading yeah. you to these behaviors? Because otherwise you're just going to continue I see this so often is that I'll have clients say like, well, my therapist went over all these coping skills with me, or we talked about all these different ways to cope and you need those. Like they're an important part of the process, but you can't only cope if you never actually deal with what's causing it. You're Mm -hmm. just going to feel like you're, you're just like striving and you're putting in all this effort, like for Mm -hmm. nothing. So until you do that really hard, scary work of figuring out, oh gosh, why do I really feel this need for comfort? Mm -hmm. Um, And where am I not getting comfort that's causing me to like seek food for that? Um, Or, you know, name any of the other ones. Um, That's really where you finally start seeing breakthrough and progress. Mm -hmm. That Gosh, I'm going to use that analogy. That is such a good (laughs) analogy Um, because it's so true. It's like, okay, sure. You want to address the symptom. Like if you got stung by a wasp, you want to do something to treat that. But if you don't get rid of the nest, it's going to keep stinging you. Um, And more wasps are going to come and and all of that. Right. yeah, that that's so good. Um, where it's not as easy as just like eat more, it's getting to the root, which is hard. I think that's where it's, it's like safer and easier quote, I mean, quote unquote easier because still addressing the symptom can be hard, but like in a sense, it's easier to address the symptom than it is to address like the root. But if we look at like, you know, someone's long-term goals, if you really want this life of like intuitive eating and food freedom and just like life beyond food, 
we have to get at that root, which is messy, but also that's why working with providers is so, so helpful. Like bringing other people into your journey um, so that you don't have to do it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big holdup for so many people is um, I hear over and over again, even from people that are my clients directly, they're like, Brittany, I just feel like I should, I hear that Mm -hmm. word so often. I should be over this by now, or I should be able to do this. And, um, (laughs) I'm going to give one more analogy. Yes, please. Oh, I love, (laughs) I love like, yeah, I love analogies. If any of my clients are listening, they're like, yes, Dylan (laughs) loves this. (laughs) So, so I have a, I have a client that I'm working with right now in my group program. And one of the, I gave that heard this analogy recently is she was saying like, Brittany, I'm in my like, you know, late forties, early fifties. And I really feel like I should not be struggling with this at my age. This is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And so I said, okay, if you were, um, if you were adopting, right, like let's say you adopted, um, a three-year-old, right. And that three-year-old is not potty trained, right. And they're having accidents all over. Maybe they've bounced around or maybe they've been in a home where they didn't have someone to give them that attention, right. And that instruction, would you be like screaming and angry with them for having Mm. accidents or like for, for being out and maybe like not getting to the bathroom in time. And she was like, well, no, that's ridiculous. Of course I wouldn't do that. And I said, well, then you've got to stop. Like you haven't been taught. You haven't been exposed to how to have this positive relationship with food or your body. So you can't expect that you're just going to get it automatically. You've got this like lifetime up to this Mm -hmm. point, 40 years, give or take, right. Of all of these beliefs really being Mm -hmm. like cemented into your thought processes. And so you've got to give yourself grace knowing that you're, you're basically starting over almost like, you know, a new toddler trying to learn how to potty train, but you're trying to learn how to get in tune with your body. So give yourself the grace to set realistic expectations and this client, I'll, I'll give you like just some extra background on her. She was going, she had been binging like three to four times a week. Mm-hmm. And this was after 30 days. She was mm-hmm. like, I've been doing this for 30 years. And I said, well, in the last 30 days, you've told me in session, you've had two episodes of binging. Mm-hmm. So are you not able wow. to see like, yes, yeah. you binged this week, but two times in 30 days, that's a huge Mm. difference than, you know, four times a week, like 16 to 18 times a month for 30 years. And so I think part of the process is you've got to put things in perspective too, Mm. because we have a tendency to notice the struggle and not celebrate the wins. Yeah, You've got to do that along the way, or you're going to, you got to be your own cheerleader sometimes and recognize that your perspective has got to change. Yes. Or else you're going to, burn yourself out in this recovery journey because it's yeah. hard. Like walking away from any you know negative behaviors is really, really hard. But like you said, like shifting that perspective of like, okay, maybe I still binge, but like I've done it way less or like maybe my relationship with exercise is still not great, but like, I'm at least being a little more mindful now and like not exercising, you know, X amount of times a week. Um, we're like looking at it from the other way. Um, I love that. Cause I also think that helps to give people like that, like confidence that's hard to, to feel in recovery of like, okay, I am 
stronger than I think. And like, I'm stronger than this eating disorder, even though, or than these disordered eating patterns, even though it may not feel that way sometimes, but then when you can kind of see that, that big picture, um, and that analogy I love too, because I think if we think about like a toddler, like, or even, I don't know the exact, I want to say like just in the early, like adolescent years from like when we're born to just early adolescence, our brain, like, we're just so moldable and like our brain is still developing and it's just, we're creating like tons and tons of new like neuro pathways. So it's like so much easier to develop habits at that age than it is when you're 40 years old. So I think that's where like showing yourself grace comes even more in of like, okay, we're one trying to unlearn all this stuff that you've been doing for 40 years and like your brain is fully developed now. So it's not at this point where you're just going to like develop habits with just absolute ease. Like it might not come as easy as it would have when you were seven years old. That doesn't mean you're not going to break free from all of this, but it's yeah. Putting it in the right perspective of like, this takes time one foot in front of the other, like celebrate the small wins because the way we talk about a lot with our clients is like, okay, we have this big overarching goal of like food freedom recovery, but we have to take these small little steps each way, these little goals and celebrations each way that are going to get us there. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's very, very encouraging. So for people listening who just are resonating a lot with, um, even kind of what you just mentioned about like the different kind of needs that these behaviors can meet for people, like for people listening who are like, okay, I like really recognize that myself. Like what are some tangible things I can do like today, tomorrow to kind of like start like breaking free from this. Um, and knowing that obviously this, you know, we may work with clients for multiple years, like break free from this. Um, but like just for someone listening, like what would be like a few, just like tangible, small steps that they could do, um, to even like assess their relationship with food and body, um, or even just kind of like, yeah, start to kind of break free. Yeah. So one of the, I ended up creating a resource for this for, cause I, my clients had so many of these questions we'd be going through, like, yeah. hey, here's a lot of these different needs. And they're like, well, I think, I think this behavior is meeting this need for me, but I think mm-hmm. this behavior is something different. So, yeah. um, I I'll send you the link for it, Dylan, okay. if you want to use it, but I, I created a needs assessment, um, oh, yeah. in order just for people to go through and like pick one behavior at a time mm-hmm. to say, okay, Hey, if I'm, if I'm doing this sort of like quiz with the idea of, um, over-exercise in mm-hmm. mind, how would it turn out? Um, or like thinking through those needs. I think that's one of the first steps is thinking through the needs, not just in general on quote unquote disorder behaviors, but to say, Mm -hmm. what is one thing that you're struggling with? And I'd see if you can identify a need that that particular behavior is meeting. Cause chances are, if you are over-exercising, that might be to help with one one particular need, like maybe mm-hmm. that is control, right? I know that's something that I struggled with in college. Whenever yeah. my roommates can tell you, like, whenever I would get, like, just sort of felt helpless. I remember one mm-hmm. night, um, one of my roommates was having like a, a medical kind of emergency, and the the ambulance had come, and I was like, "There's nothing I can do. I'm gonna go for a run." Um, yeah. And you know, it took after the fact to go like, "Okay, that really didn't like that made me feel in control in the moment, but it didn't mm-hmm. actually help with the need that I had." So yeah. So being able to look at behaviors individually and figure mm-hmm. out, are, are they doing the same thing for me or do I need 
different things? Am I getting different benefits, quote unquote, you know, from, from the behavior? So I think that's a really great place to start. Um, if y'all want that needs assessment, I'm happy to send you the yeah, link for that. That'd be um, great. And then one of the, the big exercises that I like to do, and I did this mm-hmm. um, with a client just this past week is, uh, because control is one of those needs that I think everybody mm-hmm. has for something disordered yeah. eating or not. Um, and it can feel really scary when there's things that just really want to be in control of. I really like to encourage my clients to do the circle of control assignment. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's something you do with your clients, yeah. but, um, yeah. So, so essentially you draw two, two circles, um, kind of a smaller one in the middle and then a larger one around it. And you've got this inside circle that is, you're going to write things inside the circle that you know, you can control right? Mm-hmm. Um, food related or otherwise. So maybe it's like, I can control, um, you know, how I get dressed in the morning, like what clothes I put on. Mm-hmm. I can control what music I listen to. Um, you know, for the most part, you know, as long as you're not yeah. like, walking around a store, or something, yeah. right? <laughs> I can control what I eat today. Um, mm-hmm. that's a big one for so many. Mm-hmm. Then in this outer circle, you write things that are kind of call that the like, circle of concern. So it's things mm-hmm. that are not totally within your means. Yeah. So, even general things like the weather, right? Like Mm -hmm. I have zero control over the weather. Um, Maybe I have zero control over what the people around me think of me or what somebody might say or somebody else's diet choices that they might talk about around the lunch table. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I really like to do from that point is in the circle of concern to be able to you know, draw a little arrow to the outside or make you a list. I love a good checklist Um, to say, (laughs) to say like, okay, now what is one, one or two ways I can adapt to each of those things that feel outside of my control. Mm -hmm. Right. So like I cannot control the weather I'm in Alabama and the weather here is like, I mean, I'm in short sleeves today, but I was uh-huh. in a jacket. Like, oh yeah. Days ago. Yes. <laughs> like, that's been the same right? here in Nashville. I'm like, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> Definitely can't well, replace this time of year. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got like bright sunshine and then it's monsooning like three hours mm-hmm. later. So, yes. um, so you might say, okay, so for the weather I can, um, you know, I can pack a jacket to layer mm-hmm. or I can make sure to keep my rain jacket in my car or make sure, you know, my air conditioning in my car is working, whatever yeah. that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the people, if you're concerned about like, okay, I can't control the diet culture talk that comes up a lot at work. Um, mm-hmm. something you might be able, like one way you could adapt to that is maybe I, I can control where I choose to eat my lunch. Right. So maybe mm-hmm. that's in your office. Maybe you step outside to eat. Maybe you find a coworker who, you know, is going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to just write some of those things down can really just tangibly help you see, okay, these things that feel really out of my control, there's some, some way that I can adapt to it. I might not be able Mm -hmm. to control the whole situation, but there is like, I'm, I'm not totally helpless in this. I can do something. Right. And so I think that can be a really tangible way to help you feel, um, like, like there are some things within your means and Mm -hmm. you do have a say so. Yeah. That is one of my absolute favorite exercises to do with people. Cause even, I think you mentioned this at one point, like that can be helpful in any, like, even if we're not necessarily talking about like disorder eating, even if we're talking mm-hmm. about just like, I'm really stressed in my life right now. And like, whatever, whatever the situation may be like that, that, um, can be so, so helpful. Like, okay, what can I control? What can I not control in this situation right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think um, that can be really empowering for sure. 
absolutely. Well, Brittany, where can people find you if they want to learn more from you, um, kind of follow along with you? Yeah. If, um, if you guys are interested in that needs assessment, yeah. um, you can, I'll make sure to send you that link, Dylan, but you can hop on my website at, uh, brittanybrazilrd.com slash needs. It's right there. Right. Real easy for you to, to download or just do on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like to hang out on Instagram mostly, and I'm there at brittanybrazilrd. So you guys could hang out with me there, follow along or shoot me a, a DM and let me know if you've got any questions about the conversation we had today. Awesome. And I'll make sure all of that's in the show notes too, that, um, the link to that needs assessment. Cause I think that sounds like an amazing resource. I'm going to have to check that out too. Awesome. Um, well, thank well, you thank so you much again for having me. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the free method podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review that helps others discover this message of freedom. Share this with your friends and make sure you tag us on Instagram at free method nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.